Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tim Arroyo. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. If you want to Luke chapter 1, we're going to get there later. But I'm going to read you Isaiah 40, verse 6. And I want this to shape the context for this morning. You ready? Holy Spirit, thank you for the way that you are resting among this people. Yep, Holy Spirit, we just align our hearts to receive from you now, to hear from you. Beyond what I may have to say, Holy Spirit, thanks. God, you are here and we are ready. (laughs) Um, Please silence all cell phones. It's all good, bro. Don't worry about it. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Isaiah 40, verse 6. says, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? It says, all flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Look at your neighbor and say, you are grass. (laughs) The grass withers, the flower fades. Now listen to this. But the word of our God stands forever. There's this intentional juxtaposition of the length of life of you and I and the length of life of the word of the Lord. They don't last the same amount of time. The word of the Lord lasts forever. Clearly lasts forever. Beyond even our life. There's another scripture, Psalms 33, 11. I love this verse so much. It says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Listen to this. The plan of his heart to all generations. Now, I love the word plan here. You know, this word plan it actually, it's all the words that are usually used for people that are wanting to do something bad. The word is schemes or plots. <laughs> and these are the schemes of plots. And what's really cool is there's this, like, uh, what, how, how do I say it? There's like this, almost this color to the word that is the curious work from his imagination. So when it says the plans of his heart to all generations, it means for you, it's the scheme of God for you. It's his plans, it's his devices, it's his plots. It sounds dastardly, but it's not. It's his plans. And where do these plans come from? It says the plans of his heart to all generations. And I love this word heart. You know, there is this uh, Old Testament Hebrew mindset about the person of God, that he isn't just an external being that is robotic, but that this word heart is reflective of his whole inner man. How many know that we are like God and that inside of us is not just, you know, flesh and whatever, but it's actually full of the thoughts, the feelings, the longings, the emotions, our inner man. God is the same way. 
So when you look inside God, when it says you look in his heart, you look into his whole inner man. Everything that hurts him, everything that pains him, everything that he is longing to see released in the earth, the things that bring him joy, it's all in there. So when it says the plans of his heart, what he's basically saying is God looked inside himself into his own longings, his own joys, his own pains, the stuff that he wants to see established in the earth. He cut some of it out and put it on you. He came up with a scheme, came up with a plan from his heart, and he put it on you. I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. Did you know that? Every single one of you, whether you have realized that experience or not, you are living as a reflection of God's longing. I look at all of you and I see a piece of what Jesus is burning for to be released in the earth. And what's important for this story is that we connect back to this thing that, you know, the, the plans of his heart, the sliver of his longing that got put on you, that that thing is actually lasts longer than you. Right? We get that? Okay. Let me tell you a story. You ready for a story? It's a little bit of a long one, so you're going to have to hang with me. Okay, how do I even start this story? Um, it was about 10 years ago, and uh, 11 years ago, and I have a dream one night, okay? It's okay. It's going to be all right. Some of you are nervous. It's okay. You're going to be okay. So I have a dream, and in this dream, I am in this building right here, and I am over here in the dream. And when I come in, I see on stage, there is this crazy, like, worship, ministry, wild thing happening. <laughs> and when I look, it is being led by a 30-ish-year-old version of my Mexican grandfather. And this dude is in a white suit. I mean, like... Latino Pentecostal hallelujah. Like, it's unbelievable, to be honest. And, um, you know, my grandfather, um, whew, boy, uh, where do I start? <laughs> I said this this morning. I feel like I need to sit down like we're in my living room. Let me tell you about my grandfather. Y'all are taking notes. Um, you know, my grandfather was, you know, most of his life he wasn't a believer. Um, my dad awesomely was able to lead him to the Lord right before he died. But, you know, he grew up living a hard life, grew up in poverty in Mexico and uh, became a Marine and uh, fought, uh, you know, hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat in Iwo Jima, a platoon, a platoon of 2,000. He was one of six left over. Um, God just knew someday I need to make Tim Arroyo. Someday. <laughs> He's kidding, sort of. And, uh, you know, uh, he's a good man, did the best with what he had, but I, w I wouldn't call him a godly man. Um, but in this dream, he is up here 
leading worship. Not just leading worship, but there is a whole mess of Latinos all over the stage. God, do it someday. Bring the nations here. Mm, let's go. And there's all these Latinos here, and I know that he's the patriarch of the family, and there are just this army of suits and, you know, really fancy clothes, and they're leading worship, they're musicians, they're singers, and uh, they're here in this building, and I'm watching it. And um, eventually, they start what's called a fire tunnel. And if you don't know what that is, uh, basically, there's just a row of people here, and there's a row of people there, and people would come through, and they just pray for them, just pray for God to encounter them, and that they would experience a greater level of the presence of the Lord in their life, and they prophesy and declare over them. And so, in this dream, in this room, over there, while my 30-year-old grandfather is leading a revival meeting with all of his Latino family, <laughs> I decide, well, I guess I'll go through the fire tunnel. And um, while I'm about to go through, I actually look up, it's like in the balcony area, and I see my wife, Amanda, and another girl who was in our community at the time, and uh, they both had lost parents young. Like, that's how I know them. Like, that's one of the things that they kind of knew about each other, that I knew about the both of them specifically, um, that my wife lost her mom tragically, and that this, this girl also lost her dad really tragically. I thought, oh, that's odd to see them in this dream. And I come here, and right about there, my <laughs> grandfather lays his hands on me, and I just fall over in the presence of the Lord. You know, just like gone. And I'm on the ground and, uh, oh, I forgot to say something in the first service. I got to say this in the second service. Sorry. And um, he starts yelling at me the word 20 in Spanish. 20, 20, 20. And in my head, I hear the word 30. 30, 30, 30 in Spanish. Is this okay? Are we here? Okay. And uh, he's just yelling that over me while I'm on the ground, and I'm just encountering the Lord. And I remember there's a certain point where I was just laying there, and I go to get up, and he actually comes over to me, just puts his foot on me, like, no, stay down. Like, you're not done yet. He just keeps his foot on me while he's, like, preaching and leading worship. I'm just laying on the floor. And all this, some of this other stuff happens, and it was crazy, and it's just a powerful dream uh, for me. So I wake up, and, um, you know, for me, that dream so clearly felt like this thing of impartation from my grandfather. Like there was some gift of God that rested on him or what my grandfather represented because I did not know of a grandpa that ever did anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I was like, it feels like it's this impartation because he laid hands on me. And, you know, even today, I, it's so cool because like you think about what I do today, I lead a family of musicians and worshipers now, which is cool, right? And it wasn't just about the one in front. There's a whole group, and he was saying 20, and 20 was actually how old I was when I moved to Maine. And I heard 30, and 30 was how old I was when I became full-time in ministry. And it was, it was God's intentionality in declaring there's an impartation from a choice that you made to come to Maine when you were 20, when you're 30. I wasn't 30 yet when this happened. It's going to unlock for you. Woo. This was 10 years ago, so I was only like 16 when it happened. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
No, I think I was 24. And uh, I, I actually don't think I understood that part of the dream until this weekend. Because I never understood, why would I hear 20 but then hear 30 in my mind? It's like, yeah, I was 20 when I made the decision to come here to be with you. And it's 30 when the Lord kind of set it in place. So that's just cool, right? So God is speaking through this dream, and it's awesome. And uh, that night, or sorry, the next day, we are at the Waterville Starbucks. You love it? And I'm there hanging out with my mom and my dad. And I'm telling him about this dream that I had. And I'm just like really excited about it, but also a little bit confused. Um, because it's like, I don't know why grandpa. And so they start talking to me about my great grandfather, his dad. He said, did you know that he was a believer? No. Yeah, he was like a legit believer, loved the Lord. And he would pray and declare over your grandfather his destiny. And my grandfather, when he was young, used to sing in church. In the, like the, you know, Latino Catholic church Mexico type thing. And uh, tough stuff happened, and he left the church and never came back. And it was like, whoa. And in that moment, I'm realizing, like, my great-grandfather saw the anointing on my grandfather's life and agreed with God in prayer and declaration over it, right? Because that's the power. The power is when you actually are discovering the word of the Lord over somebody. My great-grandfather saw what my grandfather was doing, saw it was more than just talent. So wait, wait, Lord, you're speaking to me about this young man, about a ministry that he'd have in the earth, and there's like a declaration about who he was. But it never really came to fruition in his life, right? Just lived a hard life. And so I tell my dad that dream, and I'm like, Dad, it's so weird. Like, why? I don't get why a generational inheritance type of a thing would come to me. Like, you're still alive. And I told him, I was like, oh, well, you're not really a singer. My dad wasn't a worship leader. He's like, Grandpa was a singer. I'm a singer. That's what it is. Crazy. Whatever. So we just went on and didn't think much of the dream. And uh, it was so cool. Then uh, Monday night prayer, Kim, I don't even know if you remember this. Monday night at prayer, because they pray every Monday night. They just go through the list and start praying for everything. And my dad needed a job at the time. He was about to have a job interview. And Kim told us all on Monday, she said, I saw a picture of your dad crossing a finish line. And the Lord says that he's, he's that, huh? He got the winner's flag and crossed the finish line. And we thought it was about his job. Then, very tragically, uh, a day later, my dad passed away. And, um, you know, obviously it's painful, tragic. It was the worst. But when I take a moment and I step back, I don't think it was a coincidence that I have a dream about a generational inheritance coming from my father, from my grandfather, a few days before my father passes away. Because flesh is like the grass. But the word of the Lord lasts forever. The schemes and the plans of his heart for generations. 
you see the word of the Lord that my great-grandfather got access to, that the Lord revealed to him, it lasted through four generations before it found some soil that it could land in. Now that's just cool. That you guys, I mean, you, y'all, like, you don't even, like, understand how much the promise of God had to endure through four generations. Like, I mean, my grandfather's life was, again, really broken and, I mean, just tough. And even my own dad, he wouldn't mind me saying this because he would always literally introduce himself this way. But he was married twice before he even, and had three kids before he even met mom, you know, and then he meets us and he meets the Lord, like not a believer, and then like gets set on fire in the 90s in Toronto. And now all of a sudden, like we're a believing family and like crazy, let alone everything I've been through in my life. It is astounding the resilience of the word of the Lord. Now, why is that important for me to tell you? Because... If we're not careful, we'll actually start to believe that somehow you have the capacity to ruin or destroy the word of the Lord over your own life. You'll actually believe that your bad behavior, your difficulty, the trials you go through in life, that you have the ability to somehow blot out, ruin, and cause ineffective the word of the Lord over your life. Like you could somehow destroy it. Like you're a kid who missed the bus and there's not going to be another bus for the rest of the day, so you have to walk. You can't. (laughs) The word of the Lord will outlast you. The promise over your life cannot be destroyed. The promise of God cannot be destroyed. I mean, think of how long the promise of a coming Messiah had to last throughout the generations of Israel's unfaithfulness. Israel came and went. Generations came and went. But the promise of God remained. (laughs) You can't destroy the promise of God over your life. Again, go back to that moment. Jesus, the Father, looking in his longing, looking in all of his love, all of his affection, carving out some of it, knowing the plans, putting it on you. You can't destroy that, but you can ignore it. You can't destroy the plans of God over you, but you can run from it in fear. You can't destroy it, but you can live your life in a way that the word of the Lord never finds space in your life and it will just simply pass on to someone else. What did Malachi, or it was Malachi say to, um, not to Ruth, to, um, to Hadassah, to Esther. I know Hattie more than I know her actual name. Mordecai, help me, Jesus. He didn't tell her, you had to do this, you had to go see the king. He said, maybe, just maybe, You've been raised for such a time as this. Maybe you got put in the timeline right 
where God wanted to put you in the timeline. And maybe there's a word over your life that is just waiting for a low, low yes from you. And I don't know if we understand the power, not just the power of a yes, but sometimes like the power of a lack of yes. Let's go to first, or Luke, first chapter of Luke. Tell me, Jesus. Verse 26. Are we okay? Was that story too heavy? We enjoy? Okay, bless it. Now we're going to talk about Mary, and we're going to read about the birth of Christ when it's not even Christmas. <laughs> Verse 26, 20, 26, now in the sixth months, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, for most people, that would be like, oh, what a nice greeting. You know, like, that's not, yeah, I'll rejoice. I'm blessed among women. Blessed among women. Great. That's awesome. This is not Mary's response. <laughs> She's like side-eyeing this angel. It says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. In short, Mary's going, what do you want? Okay, cool, you're an angel. What? You're going to want something from me? Do I need to do something here? What's going on? But when she saw him, she was troubled, and it says, that Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Come on. I love that. <laughs> and then Mary says to the angel, how can this be, since I don't know a man? Valid question. But now she's beyond the fear point. Now she's getting to this place of like, okay, but how, right? We're not quite at yes, but we're at how, Right? And then the angel says, it's so kind of the angel to actually respond to this. Sometimes you don't even get that from the Lord. It just tells you and leaves you. But this angel is very generous. It says, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, come on, he starts selling testimony to her. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And now... And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So the Holy Spirit gives explanation. This angel gives explanation and starts to encourage her with testimony, which is so cool. And then this is what Mary says. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That word, what was the word? The word, when she said, according to your word, that word was the seed that had been waiting thousands of years. Let it be to me according to your word. To be honest, I, I really believe 
that if Mary would have said, no, Lord, I can't do this, I believe that God would have found someone else. And I sometimes even wonder, you know, there was 400 years of silence, of prophetic silence between the Old Testament and this moment of the Gospels. 400 years where nobody heard the voice of the Lord, where there's no prophecy, there's no scriptures being written. Nothing. And I can't say this conclusively, like by looking at the Bible, but I just wonder if Mary maybe wasn't the first person that the angel showed up to. That 400 years of waiting, maybe, I can't say for sure, but maybe it was because we were waiting for one person to look at an impossible promise, this impossible, costly word from God and say, be it unto me according to what? To your word. You know, I, I can't say enough how important it is for us to not just have access to the place of hearing the promise, the schemes of God over our lives. But friends, we need to get to that place in our hearts for real, for real, for real, for real, where we get to it be, let it be unto me according to your word. I'm not trying to be like arrogant or prideful, but I think that's one of the reasons why in my family the inheritance landed on me. Because there's more of a yes from my life than in my grandfather's. There was more of a willingness to pay a cost, to walk through things that are tough, to stay committed and resolved to the word of the Lord over my life. Like, listen, you could not, I didn't even need that dream to convince me of what I was called to do. All that dream did is give me more ammunition because I was already ready to pay a cost. And the response for me continually, no matter what we endure, no matter what we endure in the ministry, no matter what we go through, come back to this place and I say, God, just let it be unto me according to your word. Give me all the Latino family musicians you want. And we'll put on all the fire tunnels we can put on. And we'll see an impartation happen to a generation because I want to say yes to you. Does that make sense? You know, and a lot of you in here might be like, well, I didn't have a praying great-grandfather who did this awesome stuff. You know you're thinking it. I don't have this generational inheritance. I don't have this. I don't have that. It's like, I get it. I understand. I understand there's probably some pain that comes with that. But you have a father in heaven right now. Listen, it wasn't my great-grandfather's plans that came to pass. It was my father's plans. You know what's one of my favorite things? Can I tell you? This is for you guys that maybe are, are hurting at that idea. One of my favorite things is the opportunity to be for your children, to be for your friends, to be for your generation, something you never had. To actually be for your generation, something you never had. How could we possibly do that? 
It's because what we have in Christ is all sufficient, more than enough. The ability, the ability to tap into the nature of Christ, to find the, 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 the aspect of the Father's heart, to become the kind of parent that you want to become, to be the parent that you never got to become, even to be the son or daughter that you never got to see modeled, to be the coworker that you always want to become, to actually be faithful to the word of the Lord over your life. Friends, the capacity is there because of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus made a way. Right? Is that okay? Thank you.